Hello and welcome to Tardigrade Talks. I'm your host, Dr. Jody Samra, and this is a podcast for anyone interested in cultivating greater psychological health, wellness, and resilience. In this week's bonus episode of the CTHR, BC, and Yukon's HR Conference and Expo, I am thrilled to introduce you to Don Virgo, Vice President, Client Solutions at Optimum Talent. Don is a very accomplished HR consultant and career transition specialist. She has a varied background in executive recruiting, human resources, marketing, market development, and office administration, and has a deep understanding of the range of challenges corporate clients face in ever-changing business environments. Dawn has held key roles in a diverse range of industries, including forestry, manufacturing, and executive search, and has worked with VANOC, the Vancouver Organizing Committee for the Winter Olympics. Dawn is also the conference chair for this year's 2021 CPHR Conference and Expo, which I have the pleasure of speaking at. We'll be talking about the critical ingredients of organizational resilience, work from home trends in the era of COVID-19, and the emotional impact career transitions can have on all that are involved. Dawn, a huge welcome. I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. Oh, thanks, Jody. It's an it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Now, you were definitely in a hopping busy industry these days. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, it is it's not only busy, it is changing. So, you know, the rules that we used to go by uh, over the years uh, have completely done a 180. And uh, so uh, I we all have to basically thrive in chaos right now and uh, figure out where we're going. Yeah, that's a good good way to put it. Thrive in the chaos. Now, yeah. now, Don, of course, over the past 18 months, the way that we work has changed fundamentally for virtually every single worker in every single sector across the globe. Now, there have been many lessons that we have learned since the pandemic hit, um, but perhaps one of the most salient has been that our organizations, as we've learned, are not just comprised of bricks and mortar. They're comprised of individuals. Um, And so, Don, um, share with me the the biggest lessons that you've learned about organizational resilience over the past year and a half. Uh, Thanks for that question, Jody, and it's a great one. Um, I, I would say, gosh, talking to the the many organizations we've had the benefit of working with, uh, I'm hearing quite uh, a varied amount of of answers in this. So uh, the ones that seem to be, believe it or not, striving and doing well and thriving are the ones that are able to adapt. And it's not just adapting from the top down anymore. It's involving people in the conversations. It's talking to people and humanizing the experience for them uh, in the office and, and what is happening to them. Because as we can see, 
we're all working from home right now uh, while starting to gradually come back into the office. But those people that have transitioned into home, many of them have, you know, uh, taken this opportunity. Some have even relocated and moved out uh, further into, say, Abbotsford, Chilliwack, away from the downtown, downtown core. They have um, made different arrangements for childcare, et cetera, et cetera. So um, there have been a lot of changes in everyone's personal life. So it's not like you can have like a definite um, mark between this is my work life and this is my home life. Uh, we're working where we live right now. And so when that happens, uh, we've had to really have this kind of workplace integration instead of work-life balance. And we have started seeing that happen beforehand, but then COVID happened and it took it to the next level. So I find the organizations that have been most resilient are the ones that are having those conversations with each employee about what is your experience? What works best for you? What do you need for from us to be at your best and bring your best forward. And when they're involved in that conversation, there's there's a power shift that happens. Um, I am a big fan of David Rock. Uh, he uh, is what I guess we would call the father of neuromanagement. And he wrote this book called uh, Your Brain at Work. Uh, and he focuses on uh, something called the SCARF model, S-C-A-R-F. What we're seeing right now is, so S stands for status, C is certainty, A is autonomy, R is relatedness, and mm-hmm. F is fairness. And if anyone gets a chance to read the book, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, so right now, all of the the organizations have to really hone in on each one of these aspects of SCARF to um, really connect with the people that are working with them. So. Uh, when we're talking about status right now is, is taking yourself to the same level of that individual and saying, what's important to you? What do you need for me? Yes, I'm your leader, but I'm also your partner. And we're in this together because as much as you're going through this, I'm going through this in my personal life and showing that human side of a manager or a leader to the people that work with them. And so the organizations that are able to, to and I, I'm using this word that's been used a lot, pivot, um, mm-hmm. it, into um, being able to have those conversations and coming together and show their human side to their people are able to be more resilient because they're pulling their people together saying, we're going to do this together. love all of what you've said, Dawn, and really that that humanizing component. And I have not heard of David Rock, but that I wrote down the, the name as you were speaking of, of that book and the SCARF model. I've, I've never heard of it, but as you're speaking, I was thinking, my goodness, these are just fundamental human needs, aren't they, for us in terms of uh, connectedness and relatedness and fairness, that they're fundamental things that all of us need to thrive in, in all aspects of our life including work. Oh, 
Gosh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I have used the scarf model so many times in my life outside of work. It's been phenomenal as a parent <laughs> and being able to talk to. I have uh, two. Uh, I have a teenage boy and uh, a boy in his early 20s. And uh, I don't want to say that I have a formula on how to how they communicate just in case they are listening and they know <laughs> they know my hacks. I'm sure a lot of moms would be dying for that formula. <laughs> Oh, gosh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, okay. Patience, communication are, are the number one things. But what it comes down to, and there's this underlying, uh, I would say, golden thread that combines all of these aspects together, and it comes down to trust. And trust is the basis in communication. It's it's the basis in goals and in determining how we work best together is knowing that your leader has your back, knowing that your company has your back, knowing, uh, knowing that makes you able to come to the table and go, I'm going to work 300% for you because I know that again, we're in this together. So when you're talking about status, uh, the other thing that's really, really important is the certainty. Um, and I know that's difficult to provide that right now. And organizations, um, they don't, they can't provide any certainty when they don't know what the certainty is. But the organizations that do well are the ones that can focus on what they can control. And when they know that, they put a plan together. And I, I'm a big fan of, you know, plan the work and work the plan. Mm. So anytime that you have a plan, you bring that to your team and you provide as much certainty and clarity to your team as possible so that they have all the information you have so that they understand what's going on and knowing that they can come to you if they have any questions and um, so that you are, you are all on the same level. Yeah. And, and what does that look like in execution, Don? Because I want to, you know, as a workplace consultant myself, you know, so many, um, so many businesses. And of course, we know small business makes up the majority of business. Um, you know, they're saying, well, I'm just struggling to keep afloat, stay alive, do business, mm -hmm. you know, in this new normal. And I don't have time, right? That's, that's often yes. the biggest area that we hear because, yeah. you know, connecting, it does take time, doesn't it? And and oh, it so what, what do you say to those that say, okay, sounds great and dandy, Don, but yeah. Like I am floundering to just get my work done, never mind right. be able to deal with all these extra new things. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think what's happening is that people are floundering and they're stressed because they're thinking about everything around them. They're impacted by, we've got to do this. We have to head it this way. We have to figure this out. And the stress level has gone up exponentially. So what I recommend doing is really focusing on a basic plan. Keep it simple. What can we do? What do we need to do today? So and, and breaking it down into bites. Have, have you ever heard that terminology of how do you eat an elephant? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. One bite at a time. Okay. Yeah. So controlling what you can control, focusing on what you need to do today, and then let all of this other conversation and activity and noise around you kind of diminish that and get focused. And then where you get focused. So this is where you need guidance. And this is where the communication comes in is having that basic conversation 
with, okay, so let me test for understanding with my manager or with whatever. These are the things that I'm focusing on today. This is what I have to get done today. This is my output. So when you're having this, you're both on the same page, you have that clarity and you have the focus. And I think that's what's really important because what what we're finding is people are so impacted by the noise around them that they are feeling overwhelmed. Um, we have luckily had a good basis uh, and background. We actually have a, had a neuro um, management center. Uh, we used to have one in, in Toronto and we have used a lot of those findings since. And one of the key areas was talking about from overwhelm to flourishing mm. and staying present is really, really important because anxiety does not live in the present. It lives in the past or it lives in the future. It doesn't live in the here and now. Okay. So focusing on what you can do today and keeping your mind in the present. And if you have a hard time doing that, um, you may have heard this, this hack before, but uh, focus on um, the, the rule of five. So if your mind is going everywhere else, sit back, take a deep breath, go, what are five things I can smell right now? What are five things I can taste right now? What are five? So what you're doing is you're focusing on where you are and keeping yourself present. The other thing that is really, really useful is being, when you think about how you're reacting, where your stress level is right now, is think about being the thermostat instead of the thermometer. So you're controlling your temperature around you instead of responding to it mm -hmm. um, or reacting to it, such as a thermometer. So I, I find that really helpful as a visual for me. So if I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, really give yourself that space to just step back, focus on the task at hand, focus on what needs to be done today, and then just take it, honestly, eat the elephant one, one bite at a time. Mm -hmm. I'm a vegan, so we don't like to eat. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Well, not joking, but no, <laughs> very, very, very uh, sage advice there. You were touching on kind of work-life integration, and I, and I really like your use of that phrase because the traditional notion of work-life balance usually kind of implies you know, here's work and then we tilt to another, um, you know, area of home and we kind of think about those constructs as being separate, right? And the traditional kind of clock in at this time and clock out at that time can make us, can be a little more conducive to thinking about work-life balance. But of course, for so many of us now, we're integrating work and home and social life and all of these different elements. And um, and you recently facilitated an executive roundtable with, with senior HR professionals focused specifically on return to office. And I'd love to hear what you're hearing and seeing when we're looking at trends around work-life integration, work from home, return to office. Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, one of the things, and again, as with all people, Jody, um, people react uh, from one end of the spectrum to the other. And uh, a lot of this, I am going to say, is really tied in with the culture of the organization. Um, what I think organizations are struggling with right now is they are trying to 
figure out how they are going to integrate people back into the office. Um, people have made a lot of life decisions, uh, as I mentioned earlier, where, where they are maybe now it's a two-hour commute to get into work instead of one-hour commute. Uh, they have set up uh, a plan where they're actually doing taking care of their children more during the day and maybe doing their work in the evening. Um, so they're still, you know, being able to do that. So organizations that are thinking, okay, we're going to go back to how we did things before. They're not, they're not going to last, honestly. They're, they, they need to figure out how to adapt. Uh, this is a new workplace we're going back into, and uh, it is an evolution. Uh, people are having more of a say of what uh, they want in the workplace and the organizations that get it are the ones that are listening and they're the ones that are coming to the table and they're having conversations. So I think one of the biggest things uh, that I will say is common that I am hearing from organizations is, oh my gosh, how do I make the experience for um, my people even better to be in the office. So um, mm. a lot of organizations, you know, individuals are saying, okay, well, now more than ever, like what's in it for me? Why do I need to come into the office? What specifically? So there's now a really big emphasis on what is the employee experience in the office? Uh, I've heard, okay, a lot of organizations have come back and said, you know, we've we're having company barbecues and we're doing all of this other kind of extracurricular stuff that we didn't really focus on before. And again, it goes back to the culture. So organizations, what they're doing is they are putting on kind of new glasses and really re-examining the culture of the organization. Uh, are we living our values? Um, is this new I guess, workplace, does that, do we need to amp up our, our values? Do we need to change them at all? What does this look like for our people? And not only for the people that are there, but also to attract new people. Right now, so many people and everyone that I've talked to in HR is in full growth mode. They are looking for people. Um, we are, one of the, the biggest challenges that people are facing right now is they are up against, um, you know, an employee's shortage, uh, a talent shortage that that uh, many, many organizations are trying to figure out on how we can bring in talented people. It goes back to the culture of the organization, um, not just being on the you know, top organization to work for list is really getting down to the nitty gritty of what are our values? What is our culture? What does that look like now? What's important to our people? And then how do we embrace that? And how do we live that through our conversations, through any of our communication with our staff, through any activities in our staff? How do we include our staff in more of, of, our value discussions instead of just having our values painted on a wall somewhere. Uh, we want people to speak it. We want people to live it. So that's where we're seeing the majority of the people um, talking about what this looks like. The other challenge that I'm seeing with a hybrid workforce um, goes back again to the SCARF model in, in uh, so the 
uh, I hate to say it, the new F word is uh, <laughs> in, in scarf is, is fairness. And so people are being challenged and oftentimes people are triggered by fairness. They get caught up in, in the fairness aspect of it. There are roles absolutely in an organization where people need to be present in the office. So I think when you, when you are looking at your organization is to really go, let's define what roles need to be in the office and what roles cannot or don't have to be in the office. So when you're having that discussion and include employees in this in this conversation instead of kind of dictating it. So when you're having this, you you have a general understanding and a meeting of the minds that this is what we've agreed upon and this is the plan going forward, and uh, and come up with again working the plan as to you know who will be in the office. How many days a week will you be in the office? What's going to work for you? What's not involving your team? And, um, you know, what team members are going to be in the time? Maybe they, they shift off and some people do these days and some people do these days. Um, so that's what I'm hearing. And that's what I'm seeing as the overall direction that people are heading in with the hybrid workforce. We know if we look at the data, very robust data that is telling us that about two thirds of the workforce say, I want to have some flexible arrangement when the pandemic is over and up to one third that will say, I am prepared to quit my job if I'm you know, forced to be going back full time. And these are very high numbers, especially, you know, as you alluded to the talent shortage, right? And of course, what are, what are all organizations having their eye toward retention and recruitment closely tied to that? And, and uh, we're forced to have to address these issues, even if we don't want to. Um, I really like that focus that you're putting, Don, on, you know, how can we make our organizational culture even better so people want to come back? What kinds of questions should we keep in mind? Like what are good things to ask in those kind of one-to-ones that we're having with our employees? How can we garner that information? Uh, good question. Um, it, you know, I think everyone talks about having an open door policy. I think what you need to do is let's step back and let's look at the values that we've already established within the organization. And so how can we work from there? Because you need a place to work from. And we've already defined the, in the past that these are the important things within our organization. And these are the important things that are important to our people within the organization. So talking to your people and saying, how has that changed? How has that evolved? Is this something that's as important as it was? What is showing up? as being even more important to you and being able to have an open mind around these conversations. Um, you can't look at it through the lens that we used to look at the organization. Um, the organization's evolved, whether they liked it or not, it has, I mean, the way the working space has evolved, uh, it, it it, it has opened up areas that we didn't realize existed before. Uh, technology in particular uh, has taken us to the next level and allowed us to work uh, in a space that we never did. We used to just come in, sign into our, you know, our workspace and, and that's, 
that was it. But now we've had to morph into something where we are able to completely work remote from work. And so when you come back to that, there's, there's an, uh, I, I go back to this evolution word where what is important to people now isn't maybe as important, uh, you know, the things that were important to them before um, is that relevance. And so when you're having that conversation with your people, dive deep into that. And then what could that possibly look like? And then the more you start getting feedback from your people. So, you know, I know a lot of HR people have talked about, I've done so many surveys and uh, so many pulse checks and, and this is what I'm hearing back. So let your people be the voice about what's important to them. And that also going back to what you had mentioned is going to increase your engagement rates and your attraction rates, because um, this is an organization that really cares about what's important to me and um, their values have evolved based on our conversations that we've had. up on the fairness component, um, which is so critical to any organization. And certainly we know when we look at enhancing workplace psychological health and safety, the world that I'm immersed in, we know that fairness is this construct that cuts across virtually everything that we're doing in our organizations. Of course, um, some of us are going to be in fortunate situations where we have that ability to be able to work from home some or all of the time. Um, but we also know, and the mom and you will know this, fair is not necessarily equal. And so what is your advice to those that are in organizations where there's a segment of the population that doesn't have that option, that the requirement of their job is that they need to be in an office or on site organizational setting? How can we consider approaching dialogue around what's fair in that situation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gosh, well, uh, this is uh, it's a little bit of a Pandora's box. Um, I'm not going to lie. Um, and uh, it depends on the organization. So uh, many organizations have frontline workers that, to be honest, never did leave their leave their job. Um, they were there. They were still going to the office. Um, I'm thinking of, you know, a lot of, say, shipping companies where, you know, they had people, you know, on the front lines that were there bringing in containers and stuff like that. Like they they had to be at their jobs regardless. Uh, they're bringing in, they're bringing in our food, um, you know, that we need to survive. Grocery workers, etc. They know that they had to be there. What what I think would help, and um, for people to understand, so is. There have been solutions around that. People have talked about, you know, perhaps monetary incentives uh, for those coming into the office or for those on the front line. Um, you know, really thinking about that and again, having conversations around that. So, yes, I know I have to be here in my job. I know I have to be on the ground working. Um, so what kind of things would be important for them? Perhaps, you know, could I get an extra day off once in a while? Um, could, you know, really focusing on, you know, the perks um, that are important to them that would, that would make their lives a little bit easier. And we can't pretend to know 
um, what what they need until we have that conversation. So this is, I mean, you can tell through our discussion here, communication has been based, the basis of everything that I've talked about here is we can't know what we don't know. And so when we're having these conversations with people saying, okay, so if we have somebody else cover this off, maybe we give you, you know, an extra week of vacation or, um, you know, an, an extra long weekend here and there, or maybe it is a monetary incentive where, you know, they get a little bit of an increase in pay. So, or even a, a, a small bonus. So uh, again, learning what's important to them and, and what they would appreciate um, so that they still feel valued when they don't have the choice of working from home. Yeah, so ask lots of questions and listen, yeah. right? And yeah. I think often say we have one mouth, two ears, and the yes. better the better job we can do on really listening. Because sometimes we hear things that, you know, they, and I don't mean to simplify this by any means, because yeah. I think these are very complicated decisions that organizations mm -hmm. are going to be tasked to navigate through. Um, but sometimes it is as simple as, it, as that, isn't it? That there might be something that we haven't thought about. Um, mm -hmm. Someone says, ah, A, B, or C would really make my life happier. And all of a sudden yeah. we come up with creative approaches that we might not be thinking about. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think when we go into having those conversations um, and thinking about what we could do to to best support this person going through, because obviously it is tough to, to not be able to to leave the office. The other thing, though, I, I you don't want to forget the people that are away, too. You know, so people that are working remotely, people that have um, are are have the opportunity to work into a, a more of a flexible environment, there are things that can happen to them as well that are going to be difficult. They want to be part of the conversation. So honestly, I think the focus needs to be on equalizing the employee experience, whether you're a frontline worker, whether you're, you haven't left the office or whether you are working from home, and then ultimately whether you are 100% remote. So um, if you were to understand as much of a conversation that you're having with those people that are back to the office, understanding what are the challenges from people that are away from the office. And, um, you know, so there are biases, obviously, that um, are coming up uh, in that space, too, that people that are away from the office are worried about. So I know in the past that uh, remote workers have often, uh, so I'll just explain, I have done, you know, exit interviews uh, over the years with many organizations and uh, a common theme from people that are further away from the hub of the business, uh, either they're working in a branch or they are working remote is that I feel out of the loop. Uh, I'm not part of any of the decision-making and uh, biases do come up in that area. And um, one of the big ones that are coming up right now is, uh, is proximity bias. So proximity bias is basically, um, if you are in the office, you're part of these accidental conversations uh, that come up with either the leaders or um, the executives in the office, and you are part of the discussion and decision-making on what's happening within the organization. And then the people that are remote are not part of not part of that conversation. So they um, miss the boat. Um, the decisions are made and they're messaged out to the rest of the group. 
And the person that's remote is saying, but I didn't have my say in this, or I didn't contribute any in any way in this. So, uh, and it's not something that's intentional. It's just something that's natural. You know, we work with the people that are in the office and this is what we're, we're doing. So what needs to happen is to make sure that everybody has, and I'm using an over overused phrase, a seat at the table, so to speak, uh, where they do have a say, and this is what we're planning and this is what we're talking about. So whether you are in the office or whether you are working remotely, it's really important. And technology has, has shown that ability to bring everyone to the table in either a physical or virtual working environment to say, let's talk about this together. And so being conscious and aware that proximity bias could be a thing and um, working your best and maybe stepping back and going, wait, are we making this decision? Do we have all of the people at play here who should be part of this conversation before we make the decision? Um, And being more intentional on, on being cognizant of that. appreciate it um uh, hearing that and i you know it's communication is what it goes back to and i you know i think first most world problems could be solved if we effectively <laughs> communicated um but certainly organizational challenges right and i think sometimes that means you know we may say look i don't have all the answers and and i know you know people come to hr to be the you know holder of all of the advice that we need but the reality is right now for a lot of individuals and a lot of organizations we don't know yet and if we can put that out and be a little vulnerable and authentic and and say i'll do my best to try and get answers but we're figuring this out together that that goes a tremendously long way in terms of cultivating to use your word trust right within that organization mm-hmm. you know and i think uh the people and the leaders and especially in hr that are probably most impactful are the ones that humanize their positions. Uh, I don't have all the answers. I wish I did. And if I did, um, let me get back to you. As soon as I find out, I can get back to you. Um, But even talking about how COVID or um, the chaos that's happening or evolutions happening within the organization, how it's personally impacting them as well. I think that's really important. Show your human side. You don't have to always be this full on, um, you know, buttoned up, suited up professional that, you know, is at arm's length length all the time. Um, You're a human just as much as the employee across the desk is. And so sharing that experience and I'll, I'll use what ends up happening is, is connection. And I think that's what all of us are missing right now is that connection with each other. So yes, the person on the other side of the desk saying, this is what's happening to me. And they're focused on me and you know how this is impacting me. But maybe HR can turn around saying, I get it because I'm on the same page with you. This is how it's impacting me. And so being able to share stories with each other of challenge and 
resilience, I think, is really important um, for people to say, this is what I've done and this is how I take care of myself. And, and what are you doing to take care of yourself during this time? And how can we go? How can we work together and how can we support each other through this? That's a wonderful segue into um, self-care. And I'm um, on my desk. I, I, I pulled out that the last conference that I attended in January 2020 was actually an HR, HRPA conference in Toronto. The last time I was on a flight and um, and I pulled out because I've kept, uh, you know, the swag that you get at the conference booth. It yeah. was a flashing little button, um, which I love that says, don't make me use my HR voice. <laughs> <laughs> I chuckled because as a you know small business owner and kind of owner operator entrepreneur I'm all things including HR and you know the reality is we you know, you know we laugh because we think that is HR right you're in trouble when yeah. you go to HR but the reality is those in HR wear many hats and and you've described and I quote is as HR consultants people look to us for advice and support we yes. dig deep to be strong to be there for our clients and make their lives easier. Um, the reality is that working in this field and in particular supporting those that are going through career transition can be highly challenging and emotional, not just for the individual who's going through the transition, but often for all those that are involved in supporting. And, and so, Don, I'd love to just hear your words of advice when it comes to self-care and enhancing our own individual resilience when we're supporting those through difficult workplace transitions. Mm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Jody, because uh, yeah, so one of the hats I wear as an HR consultant is, so I, I do oversee uh, our career transition and outplacement uh, line of business over here at Optimum Talent. And uh, I am also an onsite consultant. So when um, people get the news that uh, their job has ended that day, uh, I'm there to support them and basically be their bridge between, you know, where they are when they hear the news and how to process this news and, and how to even think of going forward and then where they want to go next. So um, the conversation uh, when somebody, we'll go back a little bit into People identify so much with what they do. Um, when you go into any sort of networking conversation, you know, uh, hi, my name is so-and-so. Hi, my name is so-and-so. So what do you do? And so that, uh, it, it's almost a characteristic of who you are. And so people identify through their role. And when they don't have that anymore, a big chunk of them is gone. So um, they they lose so much of that, not only the, their identity, they lose their, their tribe at work. Uh, they have their, they lose a big support system. They lose who they are. And so when they have that loss happen, uh, automatically people think, 
the person that's losing that job um, is going to be emotionally traumatized. And and everyone has their different levels of resilience. So um, I've seen a huge array of how people respond when they are hearing the news uh, that their job is is no longer. Um, we call it a bit of an emotional concussion because uh, oftentimes, even if they are maybe quasi expecting it on the day of, uh, it slams you in the side of the head. Uh, you go to the fear zone part of your brain and you often respond in a fight, flight, or freeze uh, reaction. So when that happens, we're there to discuss that with them and how can we support you and what are the things to focus on. And um, when you are going through something like that, I, I do call it, um, a, it's a career, it's a core event in your career and your life. Because again, we're going back to that work-life integration. Uh, it's going to impact your family because uh, you're no longer you know, the breadwinner in this area anymore. So how do you focus on that? And again, it's going to the giving yourself that oxygen mask, um, figuring out, stepping back and doing what you need over the next 24 hours to give yourself that care bubble, to give yourself that oxygen, to focus on what's what's important in my life is my family and how I can support them and the people around me. And then pulling together, you know, say team Jody of, um, you know, here's my support. This has happened to me. I need your support today. And then looking at things that fill your cup for that day, spoil yourself. Um, the self-care we talked about earlier um, is, is the forest washing. So going into the forest and there's something about decaying trees or, or something that give off a chemical and it does, it gives you a very calming effect. Um, the Japanese have been um, touting that practice for years and years. And um, so I always recommend doing that and spending time with children who, uh, you know, just have so much glee and unbridled joy and you see them laughing and, and it, that helps you so much as well as being around animals who will love you regardless. So having Spending time with people and things that are important to you, I think, is really important for the first 24 hours. And then giving yourself that space to say, I'm going to be okay, and I have the support that I need. Um, over and above the individuals, I want to just shift over a little bit. That meeting that happens with that person uh, it is an emotional meeting for every single person in that room. And that includes HR as well as the notification manager. So yes, they aren't losing their job that day, but they have known that this person is going to be notified typically a week or two weeks or however far ahead of time. Um, they have been uncomfortable um, knowing that they're seeing this person in the hallways and, and having interactions with them and knowing that they have to notify this individual. And it, it's a very difficult position to be in. So um, really giving yourself space. So oftentimes I ha I'll have a pre-departure meeting with the notification manager, as well as the HR person that's going to be taking them through their severance package and saying, as soon as this meeting's done, I would really encourage you to just go for a walk around the block because this is the hardest part of your job. 
Nobody likes to do it. They're human beings too. They know that they have to let somebody go from their jobs. Um, they put themselves often in that person's place and thinking, gosh, if that was me. And so it's, it's an emotional experience for everyone in that room. Um, we are there um, to support that individual through whatever they're going through, but we're just as much there for human resources that have to go through this. And, and oftentimes I hear from those individuals saying, I, I was so grateful to have you there to, to remind me that I need to focus on my own self-care. Um, oftentimes they didn't get any sleep the night before knowing that they had to have this meeting with this individual. So it's, it's really, really important to do that. Yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. And, and certainly, again, as a small business owner, knowing, you know, I've been riddled with anxiety and angst when I've had to get to a point of making those decisions. And I think that really, for those that are working in this field to recognize that you need to put your own oxygen mask on, right? And, mm. and make sure that um, you reach out to your own supports and go and do those things which we can control, right? Whether it's yes. in the forest, whether it's playing with your puppy, uh, you have little ones in your life. And um, it's a it's a life transition and life transitions kind of suck some of the time. Mm -hmm. um, yet when we can leverage on all those things that um, we know, right? Often losing a job is not the biggest, baddest thing that's happened to us in our life, right? That's also the reality is, you know, we just look at the literature on things like adverse childhood experiences, right? Many of us go through all kinds of uh, more impactful, traumatic or tragic events personally is that when we can draw on those things that help us stay grounded and present and supported that we really can weather career changes in the same way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, what's really interesting, uh, and another reason why I do what I do, I have been on that uh, other side of the table myself a couple times in my career, is understanding what they are going through at that moment. And I do oftentimes um, relay that to the individual who has received the news, uh, where they say, this has never happened to me before, and this is horrible. And I can, I can honestly say to them, this is your worst day. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it And it's hard for you to see beyond today because you've received this news and how am I going to survive, et cetera. And I have gone through this myself. And it's really interesting. A lot of the people uh, that work in career transition, even with us, um, have also gone through career transition ourselves. And so being able to be on that side and say, I get you, it's horrible. And so this is how you do it. Now it's hard at that time. And we don't say, you know, honestly, the grass is greener on the other side. It's, it's the same as when you break up in a relationship mm -hmm. and you have friends that go, oh, come on, there's more fish in the sea. At that time, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing to do. <laughs> You're like, okay, but I want this fish that I just yeah. lost, you know? And, um, but it's going, you know, tomorrow's another day and knowing that this is the worst day. So focus on self-care for that day. And that's 100% all you have to focus on for that day. You don't have to answer phone calls. You don't have to respond to people. You do what, what you need to do to get you through that day. 
Wonderful advice, uh, Dawn. And thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me. These continue to be our favorite word, interesting times. And we are all <laughs> have to, to pivot in all kinds of unexpected ways. Um, thank you for humanizing human resources. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning into Tardigrade Talks. If you've enjoyed our conversation, I would love for you to subscribe and consider sharing with a friend. We have a breadth of free resources at tardigradetalks.com. Thank you, and I hope you join us again. Wishing you psychological health, wellness, and resilience until next time.